Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Service Monster Podcast. I'm your host today, Joe Kowalski. And uh, man, we've got a handful of things on the docket. We're going to try to be quick about the individual topics, but we've got a mobile release to talk about. We've got uh, a couple blog posts we want to touch on, um, Entree Joe, uh, Corona Craziness, uh, Service Monster, all the time, every day. Here we are. What are we talking about today, Adam? Yeah, so we're going to kind of start things off um, going over a blog post that's really focused on the, you know, COVID-19, the coronavirus, um, kind of looking at the number of jobs uh, for March uh, compared to, I should say March 2020 compared to March 2019. Obviously, you know, with everything kind of ramping up in March as far as the quarantine and things like that going. So just, you guys pulled the data. We're also going to be having data for April here shortly too. Um, but uh, I think kind of I'll just let Michael chat here first off, just kind of going over the blog briefly. Um, you guys can all go read that. We'll have that linked on, on the video. Um, but uh, let's just kind of dive into this, Michael. Before we do that, let's talk about how we publish this data and where it comes from. Yeah, that was, that was going to start. So Joe, you talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, and on a bigger scale too, right? Service Monster processes over $500 million of invoices a year for cleaning industry. Um, specific vertical markets, we are carpet cleaners, window cleaners, pressure washers, and we have a small bit of maid services in there. Um, and, you know, of course, there's some a category called other, which you'll find on all charts, but um, that's a very, very, very thin portion. We're very, got a very good, uh, market segment in carpet cleaning and pressure washing and window cleaning. So that's where the numbers come from. Um, we obviously don't use our clients' individualized data. It's kind of what we call metadata processed through the system. So we know how many jobs flow through. We kind of know the general metrics of like how much a certain account is uh, pushing through the system. Um, so it's just kind of the bandwidth metrics that we track. And with that, we can do a lot of very cool things. Once a year, we publish a, a report, which is basically the average invoice that these verticals are getting, um, and we break it down by state. And so with COVID going on and all the lockdown and different restrictions and you know essential businesses and people out there running around, we wanted to put a report together to do a couple things. The first, to showcase kind of where we're at. It, it, it didn't even matter where the data landed because we want to do an AB as we move forward. Uh, we know that most states are down on, in terms of number of jobs. So we focused on that. Um, we have had a handful of people ask us to include the um, actual revenue numbers. Now, at first, I didn't think it was going to be relevant because they're all over the map. Um, and because of the way statistics work, it provides a completely irrelevant number. Number of jobs is far more of an accurate indicator. Now, yeah, you could be doing less jobs and making more money. And as an individual business owner, you're not going to be down 20% because you're down 20% of your jobs. Um, you could be up on revenue. I don't agree with the metric, but because so many people asked about it, we're going to include it with a little caveat um, for future months. But what I really want to do is provide a canvas by which we can see month after month after month the changes from down in a red territory to green. Because I believe we're going to see 
First, we're going to see more. We had two states that were green. Number of jobs year over year for the month of March was actually up. Idaho and Nevada. Um, is that right, Michael? Yep. yep. Those two states. So um, those two were up slightly, but they're on a downward trend. So they're probably going to go out um, for April's numbers, although we got to run those numbers uh, against the map. So we may see a full red map, right? But over time, what we'll see is those those states starting to turn green as we get more jobs, as the economy starts to open up. And so it'll really be a really good indicator of, because this is at scale, right? This is not, you could say like, well, from an individual cleaner level, you should go after revenue. And I agree. But when we talk about scale, when we talk about thousands of clients, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of data points, um, number of jobs is a total better indicator. So we're going to show that uh, we'll include those averages, but those maps should change from red to green as things as the economy starts to heal. And so I thought that would be a really cool thing to watch over time. We're also going to do a bar graph that we're working on, which shows the month for each state, which shows the month change um, for that data. Uh, Michael did an, a great blog post around it, and I'll let him uh, take over from here and kind of break that down. Yeah, the... Uh... So kind of just the overall number is a 22% decline in jobs um, comparing March 2020 to March 2019. Um, so that's that's kind of the overall nationwide number, 22% down. Um, however, we did break it down by state. Bad. It's no, not that no. bad. Like I, I no. expected it to be worse, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I know people who are down 50, 60% if, if they yep. didn't close down, so... Yeah, that's when the, the April uh, is going to be the really interesting one. Sorry to interrupt you there, Michael. It's just oh, fine. because a lot of the quarantine and such didn't happen until the middle or late or end of the month. Um, yeah, there were definitely you know things going on, people that were uncertain kind of how this was going to play out uh, as it was ramping up in March. But a lot of places really didn't shut down until later in the month. So that's why I think April is going to be really interesting to see here. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. That's it's yeah. It, April is going to be the big, like, I kind of think April is going to be lower. Like you were saying, Joe, um, at least more of a, a, a big difference. Um, but we had, we did get a lot of feedback and that's one thing I want to touch on too, is with this blog post, sharing it on social media, we've gotten a ton of feedback, a ton of conversation around it, uh, which I think is super cool. That's like my favorite thing. When we, we put out some content like this, that's, that's purely just, giving some data, take, take it, do what you want with it. And people are commenting on Facebook, um, on Instagram with all sorts of their different stories, things they've heard. Um, so about quite an amazing amount of feedback. Um, and I, I just to like kind of give an idea of where people are really at, I, I did copy down some of it. Um, but like one person said, my March and April were good, but I've definitely seen a slowdown in May. So that'll be interesting then by the time we get to May's data to see if how things are going there because the other people said that March and April were or that March and April were down, but then May, um, so far, they, I guess it's almost end of May now, crazy. Um, they've been up a lot. So a lot of people are rebounding. Um, a lot of people have said that honestly their business hasn't been affected that much and they they're doing better than ever, which is amazing. But Joe, I've seen you talk a lot about um, in response to those people who have seen um, have haven't or haven't seen a big change. You've been talking about um, not being able to service and then then not being able to what's what's the term you use for that again? I can't failure remember. to service. Failure to service. Yeah, 
Exactly. So that's a real concern then at that point, if they're so busy and there's so many new jobs, they can't handle all of it. So it'll be interesting to see then if there's a massive jump um, in the next few months, how businesses handle that, how how the cleaning industry as a whole reacts to such a drastic kind of roller coaster of of number of jobs. Um, yeah, I think uh, what is it? Some of the specifics, um, just for people like, like Adam said at the beginning, we'll link this blog post um, in the. Uh, notes on YouTube. If you're listening to this, uh, just go to our blog. blog ServiceMonster.net. Yep. yep. Slash blog. Lost jobs, cleaning industry sees sharp decline. You'll see it. It's one of the most recent ones. Um, yeah. The states that had Washington actually was one of the states that had the largest decrease. Um, so we're here in Washington. We had a 43% decrease. Um, North Dakota had 49%. Virginia had 41 So those are kind of the, the three worst states. And I didn't align. Yeah. It would have been interesting to line these up against policy, which we just didn't have the time. And so I was hoping that the conversations would facilitate that without drifting into crazy and politics and all that bullshit, which is good. They're not doing that, right? Because they know that, you know, it's not, that's not, Service Monster's not the place for that. Um, so it's interesting that Washington has had one of the largest losses for March, even though we were um, kind of, the epicenter, the starting point in Seattle. Um, Ensley took quite a long time before he started shutdown. Um, there were other states that were shutting down before us, before he finally pulled the trigger. So the, the whole thing's re- really a fascinating study and just data itself. So it's fun. Um, we did just for you statisticians out there. Um, we maintain the same cohort, of course, through 2019, 2020. They had to have data points um in both places so they obviously had to be a client for um well over the last two years in order to make all that work and then you know they've had to be using the system on a regular basis and the reason why the data lags right because we did march and here we are in may is because you guys don't close out your invoices on a timely basis gotten a lot better with mobile but um even then there's usually a lag and I can count on you to usually scramble within 30 day window because you're closing out your books, uh, certainly before tax season. So, <laughs> um, but we're not necessarily looking, looking at, um, invoiced jobs. Um, we're looking at jobs that were scheduled. So again, apples to apples. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. When are we, well, by the time this is out, um, we actually will be very close to having the April numbers out. So by the time you guys are listening or watching to this, be on the lookout within probably a week of that time um, for the April numbers. Of course, you can subscribe to our blog so you can get those updates automatically sent to you as well. Yep. You can subscribe in the footer on any page on our website or in that um, Lost Jobs blog post right there. There's a little subscribe thing. So you enter your email address, you'll get all the updates. Um, So you did the biggest losers. Who are the biggest winners? The biggest winners, like you said, are Idaho and Nevada. Um, now they only have Idaho has a seven percent increase. Nevada had a three percent increase, so pretty small, not really a, a significant increase. But it's not a decrease like so many other states, um, and it's quite a big, big difference from the average of a twenty-two percent decrease. So, and you may ask, you know, why they had an increase, and we don't know. We didn't we dive did. into no it, idea. honestly. Yeah. Nope. And, and even if we did, it There's would have been a guess. 
Yeah. Yep. We don't really have data to line it up against. So I, again, I was hoping for the conversation. So, you know, if you see those and you're willing to contribute your story, um, that will add an anecdotal element to the uh, testimony to yep. the, um, to the scaled data. Right. Yep. So that would be very, very cool to listen to because then we can kind of piece things together. The more feedback we get from more people. Exactly. And there's already possibilities. Uh, like you said, we don't, we don't want to play too much of the uh, guessing game. Um, data driven is always best. Right. But the, uh, the policy might be part of it. So, you know, in response, but they, they could also just be growth markets in general. And maybe they were seeing a rapid kind of uptick, um, for their normal business and then just kind of carried over and it just took a little bit longer for it to kind of dwindle compared to the year over year. So, well, the other thing I think we need to start doing and I'll have David, cause I wrote the initial query and so we'll, we'll break it up even further. I think we need to not only include revenue for the people who are bitching about revenue numbers, even though I think they're irrelevant. Um, but I think what is highly relevant is commercial versus residential yep. because it's likely that commercial has evaporated. Like, you know, for the most part, right? And that residential is is uh, a lot less, but not as hit, hit, hit as hard. Um, but then there are people doing less commercial jobs where they're charging more because they're doing foggers, right? For whatever you feel about foggers. Um, there's some science about it, science behind it, but it's mostly really shady, like Dollar Tree foggers that they're buying and smoking up people's houses. Um, Perry Tate has some actual science from the the foggers that are more for truly disinfecting. He's got a whole mindset about how all that works backed by research. So if you're interested in that, take a look. But um, I, I think commercial versus residential will be interesting to look at to see where those numbers really break down. Yep. Yeah. I think that's the cool part of this is like this was kind of our first shot at gathering the data, compiling it and giving it to you guys. And uh, we're learning. We got great feedback, like like we've been talking about people wanting different numbers and stuff. So as we go forward in the coming months, we'll just have more and more data. We'll build a compare month to month, um, not just year over year, but actually like like con concurrently, I guess, whatever the month um, starting probably in March um, is really the most relevant time when all this started. And we'll see, like you said at the beginning, Joe, you expect the uh, map to slowly turn more green. I'm very excited to see that. Cause I think it would be cool if we can kind of like when things have returned to some semblance of normal, we can put all the, all the um, maps together and then show the progression from almost all red to a lot of green. Um, that'll be a positive thing. We have two motives here, right? This is being completely open. Uh, this is not, there's no nefarious numbers behind the data or any reason why we're doing this. Like we want our customers to thrive, obviously. Service Monster was built for that. So what I'm hoping to do is number one, generate enough interest to carry conversations and continue to keep Service Monster at top of mind. Duh. I hope you guys are doing that as business owners too. And the fact that we have this data is a very powerful and useful tool. And the other thing is to promote the optimism by which I think this will generate as the map turns green. Because that will give, you know, that's just got to, that's going to be a good feeling as the economy starts to open back up and things go from red to green. Um, that's just, that's just good news. <laughs> so we're all about the good news, promoting positivity. 
So that's it. Yeah. 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 That's pretty much all we got with this. I mean, like we said, um, you know, we, we were loving the feedback, um, on it. There's been so many comments on people's stories. So if you have any feedback, any personal stories or like, um, just a, a situation that's unique that you're, if you just want to tell us, yep, my jobs are down 50% or I'm up like 25%. Leave us a comment on social media on any post about it. Or send um, us an email, right? That. The service monster yeah. show at servicemonster.net. Uh, what's the, we have a couple of them. You can just what, send it what, to marketing at servicemonster.net. Marketing at servicemonster.net. Send us your yeah. tails there for us yeah. to comb yeah. through. We love that stuff. I'd, I'd love to be able to do um, a little more, um, you know, blog content relating to people's stories throughout all this. Um, Cause that's really what matters is being able to like support each other through it and, you know, help each other. Uh, I think a lot of you business owners that are listening, um, you've been really successful through this and you can probably help out other business owners. So I think that's a, that's a really cool piece of it um, is being able to kind of come together around the data and then work together to, to get through it. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a good thing. I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, but still right now, 22%, it's not bad. It means you guys have built at least some um, client retention, <laughs> right? These people are coming back. So yeah, that cool. actually kind of segues perfectly into the next little topic we wanted to talk about. Yes. And uh, Joe, you brought this up on a meeting you and I had last week, just kind of D- discussing this um and it's the idea of retention versus loyalty and kind of what that entails and and what you're trying to really build and why empathy and and quality service and things like that are you know so important for all of you you business owners in these industries so let's just kind of talk about that what do we what do we mean by loyalty and why why does it uh why does it give you that extra kind of you know oomph for what, 15 years, 17 years now, I've been banging the drum, transactional versus retention, right? You can have the transactional mindset that gets you into the home, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You do the job, you collect the check, they're happy, you're happy, you leave, now what? Nothing. And then maybe they call you back. All my customers call me back. No, they don't. Not at scale. You think they do because they say, I used you last year, but that doesn't mean that it's only 40% of your customer base and you're losing 60% at the backside. So I have well-versed pros against um, pitting the two things against each other, right? This transactional attitude versus this attitude of, I really want to build a system, a consistent retention program to keep my clients. There's a third level and it's about loyalty. And the difference between retention and loyalty is somebody may come back to you and say, yeah, used you last time. You did a good job. Don't want to go through the muss and fuss. You stayed in front of me. Awesome. I'll give you more money. But what happens when shit hits the fan? When things don't go right, um, you or your crew make a mistake. Um, and of course you try to recover as best you can be empathetic and so forth. But if you haven't built loyalty, they will go somewhere else. If you are a higher end cleaner and you haven't built loyalty, they will go to a cheaper cleaner. Um, especially when things are tough, maybe they don't have cash. We're hearing stories of people who've built such loyalty with their clients that they're getting paid 
to do nothing. There are maid service companies who are still getting checks monthly from a handful of clients because they've built such a great loyalty. They don't want to get replaced on the schedule and they want their maid service company to survive. So they're writing checks for free. Um, That's ultimate loyalty. So retention's good. In, in face of transactions, it's absolutely imperative if you want to be more than a self-employed. But above retention, far above retention, there's loyalty, which is one of the reasons why I think Service Monster is doing well right now. Um, you know, people want to keep their business open. Um, and so we're not an expense. Maybe they're, they're willing to cut just yet because I'm just amazed. We continue to increase. We continue to have sales. Um, Part of it, I think, is what we project into the culture, into the industry itself, building that awareness, that top of mind, that brand recognition, and and then also people hear stories of our loyalty. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't sometimes call clients out. (laughs) Like, I'll I'll send somebody a nice message and say, hey, you want to explain this to me? Or, you know, say... Hey, just to let you know, you are one of the 20% of the clients who takes 80% of our time. (laughs) I'll occasionally poke just to see if I can get the needle to move a little bit. But that's, we love, we don't want to create any class B clients. Um, So it's a two-way street there. So I'm not saying you have to acquiesce to every single demand a client makes or, but at the same time, if you are doing your best to serve your community, and that's really what your business is about is service. Then, uh, then building that loyalty is going to be imperative long haul for when stuff like this happens. And they're not necessarily going to the cheapest person to get their solution that they're still retaining you, um, even though you should be pricing correctly, right? So that's what it's about, client retention versus loyalty, client loyalty. So if, you've ma- if you felt you've mastered retention and you have a consistent client retention strategy, um, and you've been doing it for a long time, and you haven't started pushing into the loyalty game, then pay attention because that's kind of the next drum beat I'm going to be doing over the last next quarter or so, talking about building loyalty. How do we build that loyalty? Is that something that uh, I feel like there's not a single kind of one step thing that you can do there because I feel like there's so many, you know little kind of nuances throughout that relationship to, to, is there anything that you kind of want to, I don't know, dive into now or do you want to kind of spread it out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple things come to mind, obviously defining your business. Why? Like, are you of service or are you out to make a buck? Cause if you're out to make a buck, I'm not talking to you. Like move on, you know, skip to the next chapter of the webinar. Um, If you're, if you are, looking to serve your community and make cash as a result of that. I mean, it's not completely altruistic, obviously, otherwise you'd be doing it for free. And everybody has a business to make and cash to make, granted. But but when you're out to serve your community, it's apparent with not only you, but your employees and your clients. And your employees can vocalize it. What does it mean? Um, what service do you provide and why do you provide it? Why does your company exist? So again, Simon Siddick book, Start With Why. Uh, It's a great book to dive into that'll kind of start the framework for 
building a company culture that is then capable of obtaining loyalty. Because that's the first thing you have to do. Because you're shady. I mean, there's no way you're going to get, you're going to get some loyalty from some people because you're trying some gimmicks or tactics or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, it's going to be an uphill battle, if not nearly impossible. If you are truly willing to give, John, Jack, John, Jack uh, is a good example of that, right? He is very much about giving and serving his community all the time he's out there pushing, you know, and, and he started videos after the symposium demonstrating that like, and he's doing that. He's showing his potential clients and his clients that he's about caring, that he's about service. And so that flips a switch in people, especially if they sense that you're authentic. Um, again, if you're doing it gimmicky, so that, I think that would be a big one, starting with why identifying that, you know, your purpose and your place for this business's existence and then making sure uh, if you have employees that all your employees know that. That's a good place to start. And then demonstrating this to the clients. And there's a handful of cliches that you hear like under promise over deliver, right? I mean, I... I trying to get service providers to do the bare minimum because they'll kill it at that. A rock star provider just shows up on time, answers his phone, has a clean truck, looks nice, smells nice, respects the home, like cleans things properly and then exits properly and then has a pleasant conversation and isn't too slimy. And like there's a litmus of stuff that you can do that is just basic that'll already put you way above the top everyone else. That will help. But then you can go above and beyond on that. The booties, the super sharp uniforms, um, the professional trucks, everything's ultra clean. Um, you're communicating, you're messaging, your emails, your direct mail is all in service. It's all in the framework of service, not what your client can, you can get from your client, but what you can give to your client. Um, so that's, that's a big difference there. I, starting with that, right? I mean, that's already a mountain. Um, but that, you know, start there. I think um, the whole time you were you were kind of going through there, I kept thinking there are, there are a couple of local restaurants that um, a couple of my friends and I kind of all through college and so on. Like we just kind of went to there, and you had mentioned before about prepaying and things like that, like for these these places. And a lot of these these restaurants were hit extremely hard when when the quarantine hit they already kind of operate on razor thin margins i'm sure anyone who you know has been in the restaurant business at all can attest to that and so when this happened and they were no longer allowed dine in a lot of them really weren't equipped for delivery or to have that kind of volume and takeout you know staffing issues and so on so a lot of people not just here in, in bellingham but you heard stories of it all across the nation we're just buying gift cards and um, and doing things like that, and that's really kind of what I thought about. I was like, well, these these places, you know, they served amazing food, which is obviously one of the the first things you think about with a restaurant, right? Um, but they also had just had an amazing atmosphere and were just really authentic people, and they they did things for, for the community and things um, like that that you know you know, they imparted that on us and it was, it was a big kind of thing for that. And so we supported them and through all this, like even on, even without necessarily being able to get their food, you know, we, we got gift cards and got things like that. So it's just kind of the image I had, uh, if you guys are kind of wanting to find kind of like a, 
a similar path to kind of work towards that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been eating everything off my farm for the last two months, which is great for the waistline, but I do miss me some Thai food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They don't really deliver out. uh, Oh no, no. Yeah, no. And you know, um, I, my son's high risk. Um, and I technically, I guess I'm high risk cause I never recovered from the pneumonia I had two years ago. So my lungs are kind of messed up. Um, so my wife and I are real cautious. Plus this homestead experiment has been incredible. Like for the last three years, we've been able to stock her. Like we have so many freezers. You don't even want to know how many square feet of cold storage we have. And it's just chock full of beef and chicken and, uh, pork and veg from stuff we grew over the years. And, you know, so yeah, I miss some pad thai. <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure it's a rule that if you live out in the country, you have to have at minimum one extra deep freeze um, and typically two. So Yeah. <laughs> I live out in the county now and I only well, have one freezer. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. You're in like a, mother, you're in like a mother-in-law suite though. It doesn't, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not <laughs> official. Exactly. So I, I, I can, Mother-in-law suite. I can you're the guy by. with the bed next to his dishwasher. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's, there's a partition whoa. here. There's a wall, all right? The bedroom is separate. Oh, yeah. that's not your bed behind there? No, that's a couch. That's, that's, that's my couch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a nice apartment, guys. It right? is. Looks, Looks good. <laughs> um, anywho, yeah, that was um, kind of a really – really nice thing that just kind of came from a conversation with you, you and I had, and I think it really kind of touched on, you know, what we're dealing with here with COVID-19, um, you know, just the drastic changes. I hate to use the term. We all joke about, you know, the new normal and things like that that we'll be moving into. Um, but it's been really amazing watching all of you guys kind of weather the storm as best you can. Um, so. Yeah, really. I mean, you're fighting for your businesses, so. Kudos. The, uh, Go get it. From there, I think we can kind of uh, move into some of the service monster updates. Um, I think we'll talk about the release the release schedule here first, and a lot of you guys will kind of be chomping at the bit for that. On the mobile side, there's a, there's a fairly nice release. It's mostly covering kind of some small changes overall, but it puts us in a Big position background to, changes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, we've, we talked about in the last podcast. Um, and so you guys have probably heard that already, but the, the back end, like the framework overall is updated and that allows us to have a much more kind of standard schedule like we had had. Um, and so just getting releases out quicker on the mobile side is really what the, the goal is. And there's some various, um, bug fixes, a big one, anyone on iOS, if you guys have had the camera roll sorting issue, you've got 5,000 images or more, and you're brought back to the oldest and you have to sort up through the newest. That's obviously, you know, pain major. in the ass. I get hate mail for that. Yeah. <laughs> and and I get it. Like your thumb, you get like a cramp in your thumb just swiping through there. So, oh, that's no, that's so old. far down. You got to start two finger in it. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are a couple other small um, feature changes coming out too. The Technician Plus is coming back, which was in the previous release that had to be rolled back. Um, the 
note fields themselves. It is an extra click, but we 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 made it so that uh, it's much more difficult now to accidentally edit something. We were getting a lot of feedback that technicians were fat fingering or pocket um, so, editing. Yeah, exactly. So um, so that changes in there. Um, there added some more swipe down to refresh on some various pages. Um, just getting some feedback from you guys on that and just some other bugs. So we'll have the whole kind of thing laid out for you guys when that is, is out. We're probably going to be pushing that in the next day or maybe, maybe early next week. But anyways, by the time this podcast is out, um, should be either ready for release uh, in the stores or it'll be going through the approval process. So, yeah, it was, it's already had two rounds of QA with very minor, just polishy stuff. I think Ethan finished those up and kicked it back to Greg. So we should have a release candidate in QA right now. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, on the desktop side, we've had um, some pretty constant kind of just hot fixes going out. Um, like two a week or something. You guys are just flying through stuff. Yeah. We've had, love uh, it. Some bug fixes, some minor feature things. Um, you know, it's really all just kind of the point where I'll just point you to the release notes that are right now on, on the blog. We'll link that here in, in the video. Um, but they're all tied to the 6.5 release, um, just kind of things that we're kind of following up with. Um, so getting your you feedback follow- on, tweaking based off what you guys, you know, provide us. Exactly. We have 651 coming out. Uh, we, we already talked about this last week, so I'll just kind of do a, a quick um, hey, we're, we're adding account tags. You guys have been wanting that for a while. It's a big one. It's a new account dashboard page, it's a new home page for, for the accounts. It's it's pretty uh, pretty balling, as they say. Um, man, I just dated myself so bad there. Like, I thought he was 25. He's, wow how old is that guy yeah um there are some pro- gen x approves <laughs> yeah i'm definitely on the upper end of the millennial scale there <laughs> um but i think one of the big ones actually even though maybe it's not quite as flashy but the performance improvements uh, we're we're still diving into some various things there but i think you guys are going to be massively um satisfied with some of the changes there don't overpromise, remember. Right. But, but but let me let me say this that you can help fix right now um, if you're experiencing any sluggish performance because there's a key factor. The people who have third-party integrations are slower than the people who don't. So if you have no third-party integrations, typically you're flying through Service Monster. I mean, flying. And with the 6.51, it's going to even be faster. It's stupid. Even with a large num- amount of data and schedules and routes. When you start hooking up Google Calendar, especially if you do that so you can go through CrewCal, so you can go through Responsibid, like things start slowing down because Google doesn't process everything at its highest capacity all the time. Uh, So it throttles stuff. So we're going to be looking at how to improve that on another pass. So I don't want to have somebody who's sitting there going, man, my schedule, every time I open, I have to wait and then it opens and then wait. And then we say, this thing is awesome. It's going to super 6.5.1 is going to be super fast. And then you log in and you're like, what the hell? It's like, cause you still got Google calendar hooked in. Um, 
And we will be looking at what we can do synchronously and asynchronously. So what can we do to make it faster? I'll just say it that way. Um, even if you have third-party integration, because there's sometimes we can just submit a request to Google and move along, right? Um, sometimes we have to wait for Google to respond before we can put it on the schedule. But we will uh, we'll see what we can do there to improve those third-party integrations. If you want to play it out, so let's say you're a client listening, you've got 50 routes and and uh, you have Google Calendar hooked up and you feel it's kind of slow. Um, you can't test the 50 routes, obviously, but you can set up a trial account and go play around with that without any integrations and kind of see what you experience there. Or if you can stomach it, <laughs> temporarily disconnect Google and check it out, play around with it. Um, now, obviously, you would play around with it, which means you'd move a schedule to a fictitious You'd move an appointment to a fictitious place. You move it back. You kind of browse around. You see how fast it goes. Snip, 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 snip. And you go, oh, wow, man, it is Google. Or it is the Google connection, uh, the combination of us both. And so uh, in that case, then you have to make a decision. Is continuing to use Google worth it? Some people use it only because their texts don't, haven't downloaded the app because it's easier for them to use Google, which makes it harder on the office. So if you're in that situation, um, then I would start to stress using the app because it'll make everything faster and, and ditch that Google integration if it's possible. Um, if you're a mom and pop and the mom's in charge of the books and the CRM and you don't want pop to really touch it too much and he doesn't want to download the app, make him download the app. And you can even give him limited access if you want to control the data. <laughs> I've seen that plenty of times because pop will mess it all up. He, he's not good in the bookkeeping. He's good at the wand pushing. He's good at the client communication, the selling, the client loyalty. So, um, you know, we have a lot of people who are mom and pop teams like that. So get the pop to use the damn app. Turn off Google Calendar. It'll be much faster. But anyways, those third-party integrations can slow you down a little bit. 6.5.1 will not address that specifically. You will still see performance improvements on your end. Uh, but they might not be as drastic if you've got third-party integration hooked up. Yeah, that's actually, I was just going to touch on the uh, schedule part there, but uh, it's really funny you brought that up. I, I've i always wanted to please you guys, and so sometimes I definitely have to work on that, uh, the old over-promising thing, it's easy. <laughs> it is, yeah. We get excited about some of these changes and, and so on. So Super-duper excited. I can't wait for six five one for you guys to start playing with that. Yeah. Um, with that out of the way, we have a fairly lengthy entree Joe post. I think uh, Michael just wanted to listen to me uh, dictate this here. Yep, um, that was that was the only reason. Yeah. yeah. Just to mess with you, but, Adam. Uh, because of because of kind of the environment that we're in um, and some of the conversations that uh, you've you've had, Joe. I think this was kind of a really important one. Um, it touches on some things that we've mentioned, um, but here goes nothing. Dude, I usually love your posts, but sometimes, I don't know. You don't have to agree with my messages in order for them to help you become better at business. Do you have the introspection required to challenge your own beliefs? Can you truly be empathetic and come to understand a point of, excuse me, a point of view you disagree with without dismissing it? What I am attempting to offer is a small piece to a much larger puzzle, which will help to make you the best version of yourself, or rather, ourselves. 
I'm more of a student than I am anything else. I'm certainly not the strongest version of myself. Many of my posts are as much of a reminder as they are a message. All I'm offering is a path. So we were that writing sounded that pretty trip. wise, Adam. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when you were writing that kind of, uh, where was it coming from? And really like, just kind of touch on that thought. Um, yeah. So obviously there's CEO service monster, Joe, there's entree Joe, and then there's homestead family, Joe. Um, all three of those Joes are all about science and it is a hill I will die on. <laughs> and so I've been non entree Joe, non CEO Joe been vocal, more vocal about science, not policy policy. I'll leave that to the local communities and I'll show up with a clipboard. We'll track the data and we'll figure out what policies work. That's the beauty of, of how we're broken up. Um, but yeah, science. And so, and, and a lot of people felt like, Oh, you know, I, I like all the business stuff you do. Even then though, sometimes, you know, they don't necessarily agree that that's fine. Everybody's got a different perspective. You know, the guru only becomes the guru by going through 500 points of view that aren't their own. Uh, and so, you know, I've been gathering those over time, but at the end of the day, I, I am a student of everything, student of leadership, student of business, a student of science, a student of life. Um, and so when I see people who are so shut down from external points of view that don't conform to their own, and this is all over the spectrum, right? There's no, nobody owns this territory. I feel like there's a huge missed opportunity that you are not being the best you. Um, there's a quote from Socrates that just showed up talking about, you know, how it would be a life that you might regret if you didn't know what beauty and power you were capable of. I'm paraphrasing it. Um, he was talking about physicality. I'm talking about everything, physical, mental, emotional, your business, your family. If you can't buck your own bias intentionally by using your own intellect to really challenge your beliefs, then you are never going to be the best version of yourself. You are never going to reach your full and ultimate potential, which is unattainable. Let's, let's, you know, keep that real. The perfect you is not possible, but man, the more we work at it, the closer we can get uh, the 80, 20 rule applies here a lot. If you were just 20% introspective, then you would eventually a light bulb will go off and then you'll be able to achieve an 80% growth. Now, in order to get the rest of that 80% of towards perfection is going to require eight, 20% of remaining perfection is going to require 80% of the remaining effort. And I think it would just be amazing if everyone in the world just got that 20% for that 80% return and stop there. I'd be happy with that. Um, so yeah, I, you know, as a business owner, it's more important than general population or the layman. It just is, especially if you are wanting to grow a business and lead. Um, I think it's imperative and I just see too many people 
too closed up in their own shell. So sure that they're right. So sure that they're the ones who have the control over the Google box and not the $6.5 billion that's spent in research either way. Tell, you know, telling us to do things that are just ridiculous or resisting things that we should be doing. Again, your community policy is, is where you will get that. Um, it's in particularly important with employees, especially the more employees you get and the deeper you want your employee loyalty to be. Um, a boss who is a boss who dictates orders, who shows no empathy, who wants what he wants and isn't willing to acquiesce to the people he's entrusted to do those specific skill sets or tasks. At a certain point, the employee just goes, meh, meh, whatever. I was guilty of this early on, like very, very early on. I would, I could just do it better. So I'd be like, here, I'll just do it. And, you know, I would help them a little bit, but for the most part, I'd be like, how, let me grab that. I'll do it. And eat, let's say, just for hell of argument, let's say everything I did was better than they were capable of. Is that really what's best for the business? At a moment, at a transaction, you might say, yeah, because the company got the best product right there. Okay, does that mean I have to keep doing it? Does that mean that I don't get the output because I'm one person, I'm 40 to 60 hours a week? If I want other people to come help me on this journey, I got to stop taking shit away from people and help them get better than me. Like that's the goal. And then get to the point where you trust them so much where you're like, I have an idea. And then they go, okay, huh? Now I thought about not such a great idea. And then you go, okay, awesome. I trust you. Let's move on. Um, I think that's really important. If you don't have that introspection, you're going to be more likely to just command and boss and you're going to get it wrong. You're going to not be the best version. Your business is not going to be the best. It's not going to contain the most loyalty for your employees or your clients. It's not going to make the most money. It's not going to be the best of service. Because the way you do real services make a lot of money. So there's a weird insidious altruistic versus non-altruistic wax on, wax off thing going on there, right? Because the more money you make, the more service you can be. But if it's about money, then it's not about service. And so you kind of undo the whole thing. So again, introspection, you don't have to agree with everything I say, but let it challenge your mindset. Let it piss you off and then figure out why you're pissed, not what you're pissed at me about. I don't care. Like run your business. I don't care if you make a decision one way or the other. I care that you are headed towards greatness, right? That you're headed towards that, that, best you so and i that's a that's an amazing life worth living it helps me with the uh nihilism that you know a reductionist from a scientific approach can view the universe uh it's really about hey we're here for each other right now how can we serve one another so anyway that's it that's kind of the sum of that i you know i wanted to start off by say by saying um, which is the truth. A handful of people have sent me messages saying, shut the fuck up. Like, really? You're scared enough? You are fearful enough of the data that you just don't want to pay attention to it? Okay, it's cool. Like, not my family, not my place, not my community. That's all right. Not a big deal. I don't care. All I'm offering you is a path. A path to 
play with an idea in your head. Make it, let you make it, let it make you feel uncomfortable. And then figure out why you feel that way. What's the, what's the thing in you that makes you feel that way? And then look at that thing and figure out why. Is it a value to you or not? Or can you then take that information and go, okay, well, I'm going to look, I'm going to look at this point from the point of view that it's true. I'm not going to go type in the Google box, what I wish were true, right? Which is what everybody does. This is what I wish were true. Oh, confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. I researched it (laughs) as an actual scientist who did research and development chemistry for two years. That's not research. Sorry. That's not how it works. So that's it. Also, if any of you guys are listening to this and you're saying just right away, oh, yeah, no, I totally do that. I would challenge you just over the next couple of days to just anytime you come across a post, a conversation, your personal life, maybe a a spouse, coworker, whatever, I would challenge you to actually go through those steps, whether it's, you know, with actual debate right there, you know, internalize it and go, you know, deal with it on your own, whatever. Have a conversation not to win, but understand, right? Don't go in saying I'm right and I'm going to shove it down your throat. Instead, say, I'm going to, you know what? Screw it. I already pretend I'm right. What I want to do is in a non-combative way, get them to feed me data and pretend they are right. Like what's, so you're not going to meet any of these freaking people. You're going to gain way more knowledge and self-understanding going in with people you disagree with talking about whether or not if they're right like not don't even debate them just have them feed you information where'd you get that how'd you hear that where'd that come from challenge them on on their sources and and have them and if they're just like yak 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 or they gave you like the three youtube videos that went viral or what, like whatever like you can swipe that aside but if they're producing research and you know um, good articles and whatnot then you know uh, go at it from the point of view that you're wrong just for fun just for the hell of it. You don't have to be a troll all the time. You don't have to shove your opinion down people's throats. Make it about you getting the most you can out of it and trying to be there simply to win the argument or waiting for your turn to talk doesn't give you anything. You don't get anything out of that exchange because number one, you're closed. You're like, forget it. I'm not taking anything in and all I'm doing is shoving things out. And when you're in that environment, like I tell my eight-year-old, you can't learn while you're talking. Close your mouth, let me lecture, listen, and then let's have a discussion. Uh, so anyways, just for fun, like flip the script for a minute, like just for the hell of it. And I would wager it's a lot more difficult than it seems. Because <laughs> yeah. I think all of us like to think, or at least, you know, a healthy chunk of the human population likes to think that we do this on a pretty consistent basis, right? That, you know, oh yeah, no, I'm, I totally self-analyze my actions and and I'm not biased and, you know, I, except all of us are. And so you're constantly fighting that. And it's like what you said that, that path to be a better you is always constantly trying to go through that. And so. Well, here's a fun little, fun little travel down history real quick. You know, it took us 10,000 years between coming out of the woods and planting some seeds to Aristotle and his band of merry men, where they formalized the art of the argument, syllogism, and logical fallacy. It was mostly largely ignored by everyone for 1,600 years. 
like only the great philosophers really applied it. And then in 1600 or so, we codified it in the scientific method. We took those fallacies, our inability as a human species to really recognize truth. And I've talked about this at length, right? Um, and, and put it into a methodology instead of believing a dogmatic figure who claims to have all the secret knowledge that he can impart upon you. Instead, science says it's consensus and peer review and observation and trying to debunk each other and trying to prove each other. And, and then uh, uh, over time, a consensus is reached. People have a time problem with science. So it's like, well, they say one thing one day and one thing another day, like salt, whether or not it's good for you, wine, whether or not it's good for you, chocolate, whether or not it's good. Look, science is an evolutionary process. The highest honor you can bestow is a theory because it's the closest thing to fact science has got with leaving a little bit of wiggle room to uncover the layer. We've, again, we've talked about this too. I think I went down with uh, last, didn't I talk about Einstein? Relativity versus classical Newtonian mechanics last time. I don't know. <laughs> and about Mercury. No? Um, Justin can cut this out if he wants. But just real quick, um, classical mechanics gave, given to us by Sir Isaac Newton um, s- solved like pretty much everything we observed. The sun going around the a moon going around the earth, earth going around the sun. Um, and, and it's at its height. It predicted Uranus's location, even though we'd never discovered it. And we pointed telescopes at that location and sure shit it was there because we saw some gravitational related influence. So they did, they mathed it out and said, uh, if, we're, if Einstein was really right, we should, there should be a planet right here. They put their telescopes there and bam, they found Uranus. Holy shit. Everybody thought that was the greatest confirmation that Einstein really had it because before that classical mechanics, or sorry, that was classical mechanics. So it was like, oh my God, classical mechanics continues to win both on earth and in the heavens. Then they applied it against Mercury and it was all wackadoo. It was off by just a little bit, but enough for the scientists to be, it's wrong. What the hell? Most of them ignored it. Once Einstein's general theory of relativity came out, they were able to recalculate all orbits and everything lined up. It, It lined up perfectly with classical mechanics, but it gave us the tool to understand Mercury's orbit. It predicted Mercury's orbit correctly with just that subtle, the subtle, well, massive differences in the math, but the subtle differences in the, in the trajectory of angular momentum and force. Um, so that's huge. So we had this theory that worked for everything for hundreds of years that gave us cars and pumps and drills and levers and levers and understood where our space was in the universe and but it was a little bit wrong just a little bit so we applied an additional layer on top of that and we know more what we're seeing with this virus is live science and the media is not patient enough and neither are the general public to wait for definitive results and i don't blame them i'm I'm not i don't want to wait either because waiting means we'll know no no in about two years when the data's crunched for real and We've got it, but right now, multiple scientific bodies around the world are producing research that is lining up. Uh, so the consensus is overwhelming. Um, now, what to do about it in policies? You know, we learn more all the time. Um, for instance, the CDC just came out with a new thing a couple of days ago saying that primary transmission is human to human, that 
us worrying about the fact that the virus can exist on a surface versus us getting it is a lot less likely than we thought it was initially. It'll survive on that surface, but picking it up might be difficult. So um, so person-to-person transmission versus contact. So that's a new portion of science. Again, watching the evolution live, um, be open to the adaptation, not close that, oh, they, they got it wrong again. Yeah, this is how this works. And they got it a little more right. They didn't get it wrong, but now they got it a little more right. Is really how that should be looked at. So again, I'll maybe drift down freaking science lane there, but <laughs> whatever you want to do with that, Justin. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I, I think it's great. I think, yeah, we won't dive any more into scientific theory, but uh, yeah. The point is, be introspective. If someone says something that you feel like is coming from an educated point of view and you disagree with it, probably a good opportunity to give it a shot. And one quick thing to note, because um, this is definitely something that uh, I've noticed a lot, especially my college years. If you happen to be an incredibly great debater, or maybe you're an imposing figure, um, maybe you kind of just have like a deep voice, that kind of like alpha gorilla kind of posing style. Um, Little silverback. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if, you, if you fall into one of those categories and you feel like you're coming away from these things constantly winning, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting the truth out of it because a lot of times you're probably just, you know, out debating a person as far there are tons of tactics that you can do to win a debate without actually coming across and with the correct information or just, you know, imposing your will on someone um, without even really meaning to. Right. So the, a lot of different things there. I really, I'm, this is the kind of thing that I constantly harp on, right. Is, introspection and empathy i think if you have those two things you will constantly be growing as a person so that's right i absolutely agree with that yep yep with that said because i feel like we definitely have have uh taken off the rails yeah um let's dive into smug here um just really quickly we had a post from toby and this is one of our favorite kind of posts Anytime we see a post like this, we'll probably draw attention to it, at least at some point. Um, but he was excited because he was tracking leads via yard signs. And yard he had signs. very very specific uh, lead names for these yard signs and kind of was just asking the community, you know, if they had done that, what the results were. And then there's a lot of great feedback on there. So kind of just want to kind of bring it up to anyone who's in smug or if you aren't smug and you want to get in, but you keep telling yourself you're going to do it and you forget to do it. Well, this is a great opportunity to just kind of realize you want to be in there because they're going to share things like this. You're going to get feedback from real business owners who are successful um, and kind of find out ways and different tactics that might be helpful for you. So, yeah. And to that end, let me just touch real quick on the group culture. If you, if you're not part of it, um, as far as what we want to build, um, a collaborative environment for sure, but it's a very strict environment. We don't, it's not the same bullshit you get with the other carpet cleaning forms. And there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. Fun and games, right? Um, but not on the service monster board. Number one, there's no vendors and there's no shilling period. Um, it's a very tight community. Um, it's clients only. 
you have to be on Service Monster for 90 days before we will invite you. If that's you and you're not in smug, ask. Um, no one ever gets judged. So if you're new and you need help just in your business in general, it's a great place to post. I mean, strategies for success, Mason's network, you know, hell, even the um, CCP and uh, what's it, Cleaners Live and uh, Cleaners Coach. Like, I'll give all those guys shout out. Mikey, Mikey's board, like not all, all. I won't say a couple that I won't say. So, <laughs> but you know, they all have their place, right? Some are fun. Some, some are just like vendor ninjas, <laughs> trolls. Like you can get the full gambit, but service monsters for clients. I and Michael moderate it heavily. As a result, nobody dicks around there. It's just very straightforward, um, related to business. Um, if people get pissy, I boot them. It's, you know, it's my playground. <laughs> it's just like not hard. Uh, and in, in, in that environment, I am a dictator. So that means that you're not, you know, the new guys who typically would post on something and then catch a lot of flack from people. Like you can, you're not going to get that same degree. Now that does not mean they're not going to make you feel uncomfortable because if you're not feeling uncomfortable, then you're not going to grow. So if all, if you walk around life and you're smiling and you're not feeling any discomfort, like, you know, your wife says something to you and you get mad and think it's her fault instead of thinking about, oh man, I, damn it, <laughs> damn it. I need to work on that. Like then, uh, then you're not going to grow. But in Service Monsters, Smug Community, you can do that. And yeah, they're going to perhaps challenge you, um, but no one's going to judge you or berate you or look down upon you. Um, and don't be shy either. Like there's no reason not to ask a business question there or to ask for help and assistance. There's plenty of people willing to give. Um, you know, we keep the group tight. Right now there's only like 500 people in it. Like again, because we curate it. <laughs> like I'm not after the numbers at all. I'm after the quality and I'm after the feedback for service monster. Cause that's the other thing it's there for to provide us a conduit. Hey, I have an idea. It'd be nice if, can we see this? And then of course, as a last resort, you know, I called support. They tried to help. Didn't really work. Do you geniuses have any wild ideas? Cause that's a better way to get my and Adam's attention. Um, as far as like product stuff. So that's it. That's what smug is for. And, uh, and we love it. And, and so when Toby posts something like that saying, Hey, this is cool. What else do you guys do? That's the kind of stuff we really like to see. And there was a couple of good conversations around it. So, yeah. So you actually said something that circles back to, um, talking about John or Jack. He goes, John, Jack, names. Jack, John, um, talking about him, shooting these videos and yeah. things he, he did and you mentioned getting out of your comfort zone i think it's just a really interesting thing to note we should probably tag him on this we're doing some shout outs for him um he was very out of his comfort zone shooting videos um for anyone who doesn't know we had a symposium um year and a half ago and justin actually the guy behind the uh the editing and all the magic that you guys see on this in product um and some others, there's a lot of heavy discussion on video creation, editing, kind of getting that marketing message out and things that you can do. And John was really uncomfortable with it at first, but he kept at it like more than anyone who's constantly posting updates and so on. And 
he he he's made it so to speak like there's there's definitely still constantly work to be done right we're always trying to strive for our better selves but man i'm so proud of him and just kind of like just seeing what he's where he where he was and where he's now um and being able to share that with his community and things like that so you know the symposium we had 22 companies there and um they were all awesome um everybody there was great uh, one company did leave early because they got confused on what it was so i don't want to paint it like it was perfect but the remaining people you know really enjoyed the discussions we did dig deep and make people feel uncomfortable and really get asked questions that nobody was really willing to ask them before because they're the owner like who's going to ask like your employee's not going to ask you and if your spouse is with you on it you she might not see it or if not then does she care enough to actually know what you're going to talk about we had even with all that okay everybody was awesome everybody came away winners there were two really shining examples out of that. And that was John Jack and the Allens. Um, because what they've done, they just launched their own business. Um, I won't go into details because it's Allen's story, but um, you know, good stuff. Like, yeah, I, um, I'm very proud of both of them coming out of their comfort zone and really diving deep. And, uh, and making changes, like putting it into action, um, executing, not just it was on the whiteboard or yeah, it made me feel uncomfortable and I know what I should do, but I didn't like, they both did it. They forced themselves to do it and now they are better for it. Um, so just love watching the, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, Moving on to the next post, this one will be quick. We had a post from Jason talking about uh, if there was a section he could flag a customer or create an alert or um, create multiple types of flags, or for example. And I thought it was it was just funny timing, I guess, because 651, we are going to have the account tags. And so, yes, you will be able to have those multiple flags or tags on a customer, which you can then you know pull for marketing very specific things and so on. So cool. I wanted to touch on that. I want to correct something real quick. Cause I'm pretty sure I said the Allens <laughs> it's Allen falls and his wife, Audrey, right? Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to make sure that yeah, I, I know you, I love you. I messed up because I'm dyslexic and I, I'm not perfect. I'm sure when Alan listens to this, um, especially if Audrey listens to it first, then they'll definitely get brought up there. But uh, yeah, they'll probably get a kick out of that. Um, lastly, there was a big discussion a couple of, I guess it was last week from Jim uh, talking about what does completing an order do? Um, referring to the complete button. Um, uh, is, it, is it just having the invoice set to zero or what does that mean? And so there was a bunch of, kind of discussion going on there from various members kind of trying to throw him some information and then you kind of outlined you know exactly what that really means and i think it's one of those things it's just kind of nice to touch on because if you're going the extra mile and you're doing all of these things correctly down the road it's going to pay dividends like it's not we're not just telling you to you know go invoice out your orders because you know we want you to take that extra time because it makes us feel superior or something. I don't know. It's when you invoice, when you complete this out, it's going to update that order and it's going to basically 
trigger a bunch of things. So when you're marketing in the future, you have the correct date, for example, the last time they got work done. If you are connected to QuickBooks, you know, you have that invoice is not ready to go over to QuickBooks um, and things like that. It's really just kind of like a final um, stopping point where the system knows for certain everything is good to go. And it also includes things like applying commissions if you're, if you're working with commissions. Um, obviously, if you have a payment, making sure that the balance is set to zero is another part of that. Um, and then any appointments that you have being set, set to complete, appointments themselves, while tied to the invoice, are their own separate entity, right? They're going to be tracked differently. There might be multiple trips um, and things like that, that you want to track different efficiencies from different technicians, right? So all of that you want to make sure is set to the complete state. Um, and obviously you have things like printing and emailing and, and things like that, but that's all tied into the complete part of the wizard there. So yeah, just kind of to touch on that. I always think it's nice to get those processes kind of discussed on here whenever in case someone isn't maybe necessarily going through those steps and didn't realize that it's useful to do so. So. Yeah, I mean, it's important to make sure you're closing out your invoices. A lot of companies, special single owner operators, sometimes will have a tendency to collect the check and then not convert the work order to an invoice. And that just wreaks havoc on Service Monster. Your numbers won't look right. Your totals won't be right. Your revenue won't be right. So, yeah, in, in essence, completing an order is setting it to invoice. But there is a series of steps that you can take as a business owner, depending on your business, along with closing it out from a work order to an invoice um, that you would need to do. Adam touched on them, right? Applying the payment, setting commissions, sending out an email receipt, um, you know, those steps. So we have the, on the desktop, we have the completion wizard that helps you through the process. And on mobile, we just have a list of checkboxes, you know, and maybe your company doesn't require pictures before the job's completed. So you'll never be 100% on the circle. Um, one thing that we've talked about a while is that making that configurable so you can put your own steps in <clears throat> and then determine which ones you want your text to do and make sure that they're always completing at 100%. Um, that'll be fun, but this gets you 99% there anyway. So did you, did you take the payment? Did you have the signature? Did you do the commissions? Did you, you know, and then when a work order converts to an invoice, depending on how you have it hooked up, which third parties you're using, and if you're using Zapper, all kinds of fun things can happen after that. Uh, that's kind of a trigger point for the application. Not only just booking a job, but flipping a work order to invoice saying, I've done the work, it's done. Now it's time for me to get paid or I got paid and we're moving forward. So. Yeah. This all circles back to that whole client retention thing we talked about before, guys. If you're if you're tracking that date correctly, you'll you'll know when to contact them again. So that's right. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah. Cool. So I think that wraps us up. Yeah. Yeah, it's everything I got, yeah. Joe. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your attention, and uh, from everyone at Service Monster, go out there and kill it. Let's turn those states green. Take yeah. care, guys. <laughs>